Well, I just love it when there's a booming atmosphere and things are flying and going forward and it seems like right here these days that it's doing more of that than ever before. Yesterday, from what Pastor Dale tells me, there are about a thousand more people here than last year or the year before. And so that's pretty exciting. And everywhere you went, uh, it seemed like every place was occupied with people and uh, about 150 to 200 of our people were volunteers in helping make that all happen. And I'll tell you what, if you were here yesterday and in this room and heard Pastor Liz speak, you would wish that you had a pastor that spoke like that every Sunday. I mean, she is a wild woman and keeps your attention. You don't need coffee or anything. And it was just fantastic. And what an incredible job she did in giving leadership to make all of that happened. Now, when I walked in this morning, and well, I shouldn't say when I walked in, when some others walked in, and they saw me dressed the way I'm dressed, one person, dear brother David Flanagan, looked at me and said, who died? <laughs> and I said, Jesus died, but he rose again, and he lives today. And uh, because of that, I thought, you know, if I were invited to the most important events that could ever I could ever be invited to, I probably would dress up for that event, whether it be a wedding or whether it be some gala or whatever that was of utmost importance. And the reason that I did this today, I just had the urge in me that because Jesus rose from the dead, the most important event in all of history, I decided to dress up for it. So I apologize for looking the way I'm looking. But I am glad that I did it anyhow, regardless. And I don't expect anybody else to do it, by the way. I just had that internal edge. Well, now, I just feel like this morning, everybody desperately needs this message. Sooner or later, you will need to hear what you're hearing this morning. Maybe it's right now. Maybe sometime in the future. Because as we see what happened on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday... We see that Friday was a day of pain. Saturday was a day of doubt and confusion and loss. Sunday, of course, was a day of joy. And sooner or later, everybody who ever lives, if they live long enough, there are going to be some days of pain. There's going to be some days of confusion, doubt, and loss when they wonder what in this world is going on. I don't understand what's happening. But then, what we really need to do is find out about that joy. When I think of the pain of Friday, I can't imagine, as I think of Jesus and what he went through, I don't imagine any other human being, anybody else has ever gone through to the extent that he did. In fact, nobody ever has, and there's a reason I can say that. But I mean, there was the physical pain, and I won't describe his death to take the time to do it, but we all know it was the most excruciating death than anybody could ever go through for a whole bunch of reasons. And then there was the shame of it all. How would you like to be hung before people totally naked as he was? So that was enough in and of itself to make it a terrible, terrible death. But then, something that none of us can fully comprehend. He had him the burden of all the sins that have ever been committed in the whole world, the worst 
of the most wicked things that you can ever imagine. And we know some of that stuff going on today and have gone on in history that is beyond comprehension how men could be that way towards other human beings or women could be that way to whatever the case, some of the worst atrocities that could ever be met. He had the burden of all of that because he took upon himself the sins of the world. So I'm telling you, nobody has ever been, had to experience that. So that begs a real big question here this morning. It begs the question, what do we do about that? In other words, how do I get through the days or the day of pain? How do I get through the doubts and the losses and the, and the confusion that just makes no sense? And how do I get the joy? As we think of that pain that he went through, you will read in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. Now listen to this. Leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. So that, in other words, when we're going through some of the pain that we have to go through in life, which we all have to do sooner or later, then we follow his steps because he was the great example and the great encouragement for all of us. So then the question is, what do we do in that time of pain? We read in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. Now listen to this. I, I want to really point out this part right here. He is able to help those who are being tempted. Whatever you're going through. Now, if we could just hear that this morning and believe it. Now, it takes believing it. He is able to help you no matter what you are going through. That's his promise. And that's what we can believe because of the example that he set for us. He is able. And we saw his example, too, when he was going through the worst of the pain in Gethsemane. What did he do? He did something that would be a great example for all of us. He reached out to his friends. He had his friends around him. He looked to his friends, and then we, we read all about that in Matthew chapter 26. And I remember, and I've referred to it different times, but not this part. When I was going through the most devastating times, and one of the most devastating times that stands out to me right now. And I have to tell you, I wondered if I was done because of circumstances. And I reached out to a friend that's been a friend since college. In fact, he may be here this morning and remains a friend to this day, and talked a little bit about what I was going through, and he sent to me all kinds of encouraging words that really lifted me up and, and helped me to deal with the problem. And we read in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, carry each other's burdens. We need to do that, don't we? And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. That is something that... We are encouraged to do. Now, when we think of carrying each other's burdens, uh, there's a verse in 2 Corinthians, the, uh, six, the 7th chapter, in verses 6 and 7. It says, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. Now, I just want to stop there for a second. You see, we can comfort one another. 
We're meant to comfort one another. We're meant to encourage one another. You've only heard me say it a hundred times probably, and that's not even an exaggeration. There's 52 verses in the Bible talk about how we help one another. That's just a part of being a Christian. But God who comforts the downcast, comfort us by the coming of Titus. And then the next verse, uh, and not only by his coming, but also by the comfort you had given him. He told us about your longing for me and your deep sorrow and your ardent concern for me so that my joy was greater than ever. You see how that happens? Now, here's what happens too many times. People who have been comforted greatly by the presence and the power of the resurrection, the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's a, that's a word for the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the power of the Holy Spirit. People who have been comforted in that way too often keep it to themselves. They suffer spiritual constipation, and it does cause them to suffer. And they don't experience God's best in their life. And if you want to experience God's best, what he is giving to you, you give out to others to comfort and encourage them. And so this is what Jesus did as he met with his friends. And then what did he do? He called upon God. And I'll tell you, it's one thing to have your friends comforting you. But we need to take it a step further. And we need to call upon the one, the God of all comfort, the God that is able. He is able. Now, we understand as Jesus cried out to God, as I read about this and hear what other scholars had to say about it, it was like a child desperately crying out to his father. And we know that in so doing, if we will do that, we can experience God's presence and his help in the great time of trouble. So we don't, we don't repress the pain, we don't suppress the pain, but we confess the pain. Don't repress it, don't suppress it, but we confess it, and then we will hear from the one who is able to make the difference in our lives. Yesterday, I talked with a great man in our church here that everybody who comes here knows, Rod Wasson, and Rod told me a little bit of his story, how that with all that has gone on, as some of us have heard, with the death that took place of many of in his family, several in his family, I should say, and then not only that, uh, his wife, who has been deteriorating with something that they cannot figure out, and thankfully she is not uh, going down further at this point, but they still haven't got figured out what the problem is. And he said the burden of all that was so great he said, I was, I was about ready to snap. And he said, Pastor, you, you probably have had those times. And, and I have to tell you, I, I broke my back several years ago. And when that day I passed out, the pain was so intense. I never knew you could experience pain like that. I never experienced pain like that before. But I'll tell you what, I've experienced worse pain, the emotional pain of some of the things that have been disappointing and hurting and some of the problems that we've all, kinds of problems that we have to deal with from time to time. And he said, I was about ready to snap. And then he said, I decided that I'm going to turn that over to the Lord and leave it in his hands. Now, it's easier said than done because we keep wanting to take it back. But it's, the Bible says, cast your burden on the Lord. And he said, there was a relief and a release. And now we're thankful that 
his dear wife is not deteriorating further, but that was what happened with him, and it can happen with all. So, the pain of Friday, but then there was a confusion. Now, there's real good reason that there was confusion and doubt and loss on Saturday, because they had their hopes built up sky high. I mean, they'd seen the miracles. They saw what Jesus was able to do. He could have come down from that cross. I mean, you know something? It was not the nails that held Jesus to the cross. Do you know what it was that held him to the cross? He could have come down from that cross just like that. It was his love for God and his love for mankind that held him on that cross and his love for every person here today and what he is wanting, willing to, to do for every person here today to meet whatever that need may be. Nothing made any sense to his followers. We read in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31 in the message, then Jesus told them, before the night is over, you're going to fall to pieces. And that's exactly what happened uh, because of what happens to me. Is that all there is? Yeah, there we are. There is a scripture that says, I'll strike the shepherd helter-skelter. Uh, the sheep will be scattered, but after I'm raised up, I am your shepherd. I will go ahead of you leading the way to Galilee. And aren't you glad this morning that he's going ahead of us, leading the way, and we can know his presence and power even though there were those times and have been and will be times of confusion. Uh, you know, many of you have seen the light. Many of you have seen the light of what God is able to do. I've seen people who have had miracles happen in their life. And then when that day of confusion, doubt, and loss comes along, they seem to forget it all, but I'm saying to us this morning, let us never doubt in the dark what God has shown us in the light. There will be some dark days, but we cannot doubt in the dark what God has already shown us in the light, and He's shown us light here this morning because of what we've seen and what we've heard and what we're feeling because of His power and His presence. John 16, 20 to 22 Verily I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Hallelujah. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take it away from you. And I'm declaring to you this morning, as we put our trust and confidence in the dark hour, in the Saturdays of life, in the confusion of life, in the loss of life, in the doubts of life, there will be a day of joy, hallelujah, as we put our trust and confidence in Him. I talked to a man in my office here a few weeks ago who was very oppressed. He couldn't understand in that dark day of confusion what in the world was going on. He had decided to take a step of faith to put God first in his giving and God first in a bunch of other ways, and now everything was coming, crashing down. And boy, oh boy, wouldn't the devil just like to defeat a person at that point? Here, you're trying to do the right thing, and it just seems like it's coming to an end, and the, wrong, the opposite that should be happening is happening, and he was really paining big time. 
And he's most likely here before. I'm going to call him by name. I won't say his last name because his first name is Roger, and there's all kinds of Rogers here, so you don't know which Roger it was, do you? But anyway, he shared with me. Uh, he couldn't understand. And so I shared with him some of the principles of the Word and, and some of the things that he could look to and believe and trust and gave him a great book about the blessed life. And so I think it was two or three days ago I was in his place of work and he came running over to me. I didn't know. He, it kind of surprised me a little bit. And he said, Pastor, you won't believe it. He said, I was told I was going to lose my job. And he said, I, that is not going to happen. And he was all exuberant and excited because he believed in the promises of God during the dark, confusing, difficult hour. The joy came because he believed in what God was able to do and what God wanted to do. And we need to become... What we all need to become is a promise person. You know what I mean by that? There's over 7,000 promises in the Bible that are promises directed to us in all the situations of life. And if we can look to those promises and we believe in those promises, but unfortunately, many people have got a check that has been made out to them, but they've never cast the check. And it's all this that they could be enjoying and experiencing because they haven't taken advantage of the check that has been written to them. Just not very long ago, had an accident here on St. George Street, just coming down the street, minding my business. A guy in a pickup truck crossed over in front of me to plow out a driveway and caught the front of my vehicle. And I'm thinking, because he was telling the police it was all my fault, and I was just in the lane there all by myself, just driving along. I wasn't even speeding, believe it or not. And... Uh, and so I just wondered, is my, my insurance going to go up? Because I didn't know the, the promises, so to speak, in the insurance policy. And so I, after a day or two, decided rather than worry about it, as we oftentimes do, we worry about a lot of things when there's promises that we could look to that can make the difference. And so I went to the insurance company. They said, no, it's not going to affect your insurance one iota. You don't have to worry about that at all. But I'll tell you, these promises, friends... They work. They work if we believe that they work and we put our trust in what God has said. Friday here, we had a great Good Friday service, and after the service, Sarah Street, all personality plus, came tripping up to me and shared with me something that had happened with her recently. And, here's, and she wrote it out. On March the 12th, Pastor Buckingham spoke from Psalm 23 on seven pressures that keep people down and feeling, is this as good as it's going to get? During that sermon, he spoke about anxiety during a time when I was feeling a lot of anxiety and worry in my life. My husband and I were anticipating the birth of our son. Our son with a club foot and we're very uncertain of what the future held for our son and our, or our family. I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me directly. My heart, excuse me, speaking to me directly into my heart as Pastor read Psalm 23, 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. You know, well, this is what God does a lot of times. He'll bring, he'll lift a scripture up. Maybe you've read a hundred times, and all at once you just feel like, that is exactly for me. That's God speaking to me today. And that's what happened to her. Pastor said something like, 
Why do we waste time worrying about the worst-case scenarios when God promises us His best no matter what happens? Those words echoed in my heart, and I clung to that promise whenever worries or fears would creep in. So then, move ahead a little bit. And it was those words that I shared with my mother only moments before my son was born, not breathing, and required resuscitation, as I laid in the hospital bed crying out to God, there it is, crying out to God, talking to God to save my baby, those words echoed in my heart, and I felt the Holy Spirit hug me in a way I've never felt before. You know what I feel like? We need to try that, don't we? We need to try that in times of confusion and when we don't know which end is up and what in the world is really going on. His promise rung true. His love and goodness were right with me during those worst moments of my life. Our baby started breathing, praise the Lord, for not only his faithfulness, but his goodness and his love. And you know something? The baby was born on Monday, and guess what? Sarah and that little baby were here on Sunday. And I'll tell you, it is because of the goodness and the greatness of God and believing in the times of confusion. It can happen now. Friday, or Sunday rather, Sunday was a day of joy, the joy of Sunday. Thank God. It says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 6, He is risen. Hallelujah. You know, every force in the world tried to keep him in that grave. Every power of that day, nature and the army of Caesar and all kinds of other powers tried to keep him subdued and in that grave. But I want to declare to you the best way I know how, hallelujah, up from the grave he arose. And I'll tell you, the Bible says he's the way, the truth, and the life and truth will always rise again in the midst of the funeral procession to outlive the pallbearers. And he lives on, and he lives today, and he's here in this place, and he can make a difference in all of our lives if we put our trust in him, because good will come from evil if we believe it. Ephesians chapter 1, 19 and 20. Ephesians chapter 1, 19 to 20, we read these words. And his incomparably great power... You can, there's nothing to compare with his great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he, when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. I'll tell you, the same power that brought Jesus from the dead, my friends, is the same power that he wants to give to us in our days of difficulty and in our days of confusion and our days of doubt. Joy will come in the morning. Good will come from evil. Friday was bad. God is able to take our bad and make it better. Hallelujah. Friday was difficult. Friday was the beginning, but it was not the end. I'm telling you, we may, have been, we may have been knocked down, but thank God, not knocked out. And as we trust in Him, we'll rise. He takes your yesterdays and makes a bright tomorrow. Do you believe that this morning? Takes your yesterdays, makes a bright tomorrow. He takes your mess and makes a miracle. 
He rose from the dead in order that that miracle might happen in your life. Sunday always comes. Sunday is a new beginning. That's the reason we worship on the first day of the week. It represents something new and fresh and exciting. So Sunday is a new beginning. We do not need, we do not need religion. We do not need rituals. We do not need rules. We do not need regulations. What we need is a relationship with a living Savior. Because Jesus said, Paul said these words, that I may know him, Philippians 3.10. He wanted to meet him. He wanted to know him. He wanted to get to know him better. And then he goes on and says, the power of the resurrection. And I'll tell you, my friends, it's in his word. It's the greatest principle in the Bible. Whatever your Friday is, whatever your Saturday is, Sunday is coming for you as you believe in the one who has the same power, and you can have this power that caused him to rise from the dead and be victorious over death, hell, and the grave. A relationship with him is what makes the difference.